In the dead of night, when the moon is high, the shadows dance, evil will rise. The world between the living and the dead is thin. So now is the time to let the horror you know again. Welcome back to the Horror You Know podcast. I'm Darren. I'm Ian. I'm Ian. I'm Shelby. And I'm Trent. What's up, Yay! guys? I'm back. Trent's hey. back. I'm back. He's back in the New York groove. Someone oh. left the door open and I was missing for a couple weeks. Yeah. But uh, I, Actually, I told everybody you were stuck in my broom closet. <laughs> oh. He was out Muffled being a hero. hogtied. Hey, Trent, didn't we lock you in a broom closet once? Yeah, I got out. Oh. Good for you, man. <laughs> R. Kelly came and pissed on his head. And he was like, what? what? <laughs> I'm, <laughs> awake. <laughs> I'm awake. I'm awake. Pee, pee, pee. I didn't like that. Is that, <laughs> is that the way you pee, Wells? Drip, drip, drip. Pee, 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 pee. You might pee, want to get that prostate checked. I want to piss on you. <laughs> All right. This is going off the rails already. Hey. Welcome people back. Large prostate, prostate is no joke. Welcome back. <laughs> Hey, Wells, you can eat me. You Speaking can of, me. yeah, would you what eat? Okay, you, question question right here. Okay. This is that we're going to start it? Out of all of us, Shelby. Uh-oh. I like where this is going. You had to kill one of us and eat us. <laughs> Who would you kill? Eat, marry, and kill. Eat? <laughs> eat, marry, kill. There you go. Or wait, kill and eat. There's, the there's same no, person. We know who you'd fuck. Obviously. We don't know that for certain. Obviously. We don't know that for certain. Obviously, Wells. <laughs> <laughs> but, eat, marry, kill. Go. Listen. Step up to the <laughs> mic. Are you at me? Step up to the mic. You would last the longest, Torrance. You know, if I were to kill you, you would you would last me the longest out of the... This is true. Last you know, through the winter. You just, you just would. This is true. So you'd eat him? Like a yeah, squirrel, she'd just pack yeah. up for the winter. So she would kill you and eat you. Aww. I don't know, that. Shelby. Aww. He doesn't have any rump roast, so. Oh, Possibly that's marry you, too, because then she could get your insurance money. So All there three. it is. Wow. I would be that sacrifice yeah, for you. Yeah. Eat. Right. Not to mention discounts at Verizon. All right. Second question. I'd be dead. No, no joke. I uh, I, I do love first. me some dark meat. So Ooh. just saying. <laughs> Who doesn't? That's a fair argument. Sweeter the juice, baby. <laughs> a delicious piece of man chocolate, and you'll have to learn to deal with it. <laughs> you are. There's there's never a Damn time right. that I won't be creeped out by him saying man chocolate. Man chocolate. <laughs> Has he said that multiple times? Yes. You've never heard it. It's like a weird like. D-list villain from the 70s. Yeah. It's man chocolate. <laughs> I'm man chocolate and I'm man pretty. I don't know what to say You're to any of this. <laughs> I have no comebacks right now. We've what all lost our appetite. This is Okay, second question. This is for the whole group. If you did have to eat somebody, what part of them would you eat and why? Well, this is easy for me. Thighs. Thighs? Mm-hmm. Thick and meaty. Mm. If it answered mm. correctly. Luckily for you. <laughs> I have some nice thighs. Hmm. Do you even have We've those? never seen them. <laughs> <laughs> he always wears pants. 
Always wears jeans. Shall we see my legs? They're real, right? Yeah. Are they real? They exist. Your thighs uh, can't be that nice. They never get any sun. That's true. They're, they're once Very again, bad. they're <laughs> once again like those little creatures in Mammoth Cave that are like yeah. see through. Glows in the dark. Yeah. All right. I like a bottle of glue. What would you eat? Well. Ass. Of course, the ass. <laughs> I figured he was gonna say the penis. He's an ass the penis. Man. The penis. Dun dun. I'd gobble some ass. I don't know. Depends on whose ass. Butt cheeks would probably be a little taut, little little chewy, but depends on the ass. It would it would add a lot of protein. Do they work out? Yeah, because some would be tough. You know. I mean, I feel like you use your ass muscle and your thigh muscles the most out of most of your body parts. Didn't you think? Might be tough, but I think it would have a lot of protein. Yes. So most nutritional. Yeah. Ass and thighs. I remember that when I outlive you guys. I won't be able to walk after the next five years, but... You're not outliving any of them. That's fair. <laughs> Would a tongue be any good? You're just going to eat a tongue? I don't know. <laughs> the way you said that was like, it was like we were on like we fucking... What's the, what's the game show where the two families... What's that called? Family Feud? Family Feud. He was like, it's, would, would a tongue be practice. good? That's a good, good answer. answer. That's a good yeah. answer. Yeah. Yes, Keep tongue. Proud. I have no idea. He acts like he's going to get superpowers. If I eat the tongue, will I get more taste buds? Has anybody in this room ever ate a cow tongue? Yes. No. Did, was it all right? It's okay. I've ate one. Yeah, what? It's fine. I feel like better a human tongue liver. wouldn't be a whole lot. It's better than it, liver. It, yeah, I was going to say, it's kind of tender in a way, really. There you go, Trent. Yeah. Just, yeah. Tongue, then. Tongue so we got cow tongue got or thigh, ass. Ass. <laughs> like not even butt cheeks, asshole. Just asshole, yeah. And tongue. I go straight for the rectum. <laughs> this is all gotten really sexual. Yeah, it has. Sexual. <laughs> if you say penis next, How we're done. How nope, dare you guys? I was gonna go with fingers, you know, because I love chicken fingers. And <laughs> why is he looking at me? <laughs> why are we? When, get, why are you getting a fry daddy all of a sudden? A chicken finger is not a real finger, though. Chickens right. don't have fingers. <laughs> but when Lionel was There's cooking no that way. finger in the movie. It looked like it was all right. There's chickens no, there's don't have no fingers meat now. On the fingers. Well, <laughs> they're all like. <laughs> you didn't see Lionel sucking the meat off that finger bone. Who's Lionel? Why? In the movie. Why? Oh, in the okay. Yeah. <laughs> Which what movie? Good segue. You probably Man, said it already, but I just didn't. in case. I didn't. I was gonna wait until we were done. I feel like I'm oh. too sober for this shit. Do we have anything to drink this week? So this guy, this guy right here. I'm always ready. Here's me. Here's me. Liver. See? It's got the most nutrients. With some fava beans and a nice <laughs> bottle of Chianti. Now, what if we're in the same situation <laughs> as what we're about to talk about, though, and your victim is still alive? He'd pop open the skull right. and eat the brain, like That's from Ray Liotta. Yeah. Oh. R.I.P. Hannibal. Hannibal. Okay. R.I.P. R.I.P. He was a great actor. Okay, so we are talking this week about the movie Feed Me. If you've never heard of it, you must be living under a rock and not listening to our podcast because we've mentioned at least three times. Living under the rock? Under Dwayne the Rock Dwayne Johnson? the Rock Johnson. He's so Last, big now. Right? <laughs> Last week we threw him through a window. Yeah. I'd live under the rock. I ain't lying. Wouldn't be a bad place to be. It's not bad. I don't know. Not like, bad. He may smother you. You may He's not be able looking, to breathe. Good looking Actually, rock. this isn't sounding bad. Nope. <laughs> That's how I go. I'm good. <laughs> so, Feed Me is this independent film 
we're going to talk about it, but it actually was in one more plug this week. It was in our film festival last year and won best film, best feature length film overall and best director. Mm -hmm. Did you vote? And best artist. The first actor, annual actor. horror at the Ohio Film mm -hmm. Festival. I don't vote. We pretty much launched its star. Let's we just did. Be I mean, no, it's it's won multiple awards since then, but we were one of its first. We popped its cherry, I would say. Uh, but seriously, shout out to the directors. Thank seriously. you for submitting it. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> we owe they, you guys. They helped us out a lot because it was a it was a very big film to get for our film festival. I think. Um, yeah, and it's it's coming out. It just came out on DVD and Blu-ray and everything. It's on Tubi now. If you want to watch it, it's on Tubi TV. So mm -hmm. download that app. Oh, free. You could watch it with some uh, commercials. Um, but I've not watched. It. I actually bought a DVD recently, and we're gonna later on during this exact same podcast, we're going to have the director of Feed Me talking about his film. So stay tuned for that. Good stuff. And now that we know what everybody's going to eat, let's just get right into the story. Because the story behind the movie is actually a true, based on a true story, a true event. So you ready for this, Wells? Oh, I'm ready. This Ian's is, not ready yet. He he, the, he has a quick uh, a quick uh, request. Oh, my god! I don't have a request. I'm just going to take my shot. I'm ready for this story just like when I watch this movie again today. Got me ready us. for the... Second annual. What motherfuckers? Those festival. motherfuckers from Old Smoky. Yeah, let's take this fucking shot from them. They're never gonna sponsor us. We love you. We have to reach Bastards. out. I'm gonna reach out soon. <sighs> so appley. Sour. <laughs> it's the sour, sour apple. apple that gets me because I'm not a like bitter sour person. Anyway, just a bitter person. I am. I'm bitter. <laughs> bitter old man. All right. So, if you guys have ever heard of the Rottenberg cannibal, Rottenberg? Of course, the Rottenberg. The Rottenberg cannibal. Do you even know where Rottenberg's at, by the way? England. Florida. No. Germany. Ah, oh. oh, that was going to be my that fourth guess. guess. <laughs> Germany. So he's known as the Rottenberg Cannibal. His name is Armin Muse. Not Armin Hammer. Trent. Not Armin oh, Hammer. They okay. did call him the Hammer, but not because of that. You're thinking it's of not Darryl. what you're thinking. Think of Daryl Isaacs, the Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the Kentucky Hammer. He spent much of his youth devouring German fairy tales. Now, I love the way this article starts. <laughs> you had me for a second. Sentence. Devouring what now? <laughs> devouring German fairy tales. Okay. Oh. <laughs> But he was fond of, and he said this in an interview that I've read, or read, watched, uh, he liked he read the, the story of Hansel and Gretel. Of course it's kind of did. a weird one, though, right? Because they get eight. They get eight. They get eight. They get eight. They get eight, mate. <laughs> and, you know, we, we, of course, know that that's a witch that tricks these kids, and they trick her back and push her into a stove and cook her up. But she actually ate, you know, little kids. And he was not fascinated with the story outside of the fact that she ate little kids. That's kind of weird for a little kid diet, to think. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was the diet. Mm. It was the diet. Little kids. So okay. he had a fascination from okay. about seven years on with the urge to eat somebody. Who doesn't? He wanted to eat somebody. And he finally found a willing participant online who agreed to have his penis cut off and eaten. So that was his 
first choice. We just went around the room. That's why I set this up. Our first choice was John Bobbitt, butt cheek asshole. Yeah, one Not or the other order, yeah. asshole, whatever. All of it. You is that like a donut thighs? hole? Thighs. Is that like the? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um. He just wanted the brown eye. You wanted the. Uh, Tongue, tongue, yeah. I don't you really want any of it, but fingers, the fingers. Yeah, I'm an appetizer kind of guy, and I, I said liver. So you're an appetizer kind of guy. Yeah. So penis was his first choice. <laughs> yeah. What to Wells? That's not an appetizer. That's the main course. It wasn't the penis. It was the penis. Armin penis. wanted the penis. <laughs> hmm. So this happened in March 2001, and it left the entire country of Germany in shock. Fucking penis off. What? Why you got people for that? I don't know. I said, I why didn't he cut his own penis off if he wanted to? Well, he was going to feed it to at that point, Trent. Yeah. Why would he cut it off if he didn't have anybody to feed it to? Can he Think about penis? what you're saying, Trent. It's true. I'm a fool. <laughs> I think it's kind of weird, though, that this shocks Germany. I mean, Germany? Right? <laughs> I mean, fuck. But whatever. Okay. Okay, let's move on. Yeah, we cut off his schnitzel. <laughs> schnitzel, we feed it to him, yeah? Killed six million Jews, but they're like, oh, cut a penis off and well, ate it. Gotta, oh, that's crazy. Well, you, but you got to draw the line somewhere. You got to draw right? the line. Okay. So he was a computer technician who mowed his neighbor's lawns, helped fix cars, and hosted charming dinner parties at his house. Charming. So this is this is a dude that was well known in his neighborhood Fried and penis? people liked him, right? So it's kind of weird that he did this. Kind of shocked. Right. Abandoned by his father's boy, however, he became obsessed with serial killers and desperate to taste human flesh. Desperate. From, from six years old on. This is a quote from him in an interview called The Independent. The first bite was, of course, very strange. It was a feeling I can't really describe. I'd spent over 40 years longing for it, dreaming about it. Now I was getting the feeling that I was actually achieving this perfect interconnection through his flesh the flesh tastes like pork but stronger was it a penis <laughs> what does it say i'm gonna i'm gonna go i'm gonna tell you the whole story this just tastes like dick <laughs> fried dick it's there's like, no ranch there's no barbecue it's just cock it's like that uh the english english dish spotted dick have you ever heard of that? Mm-hmm. No. Spotted dick. This it's looks like to... something that uh, the the detective's wife and Frenzy would make for him at the dinner know, right? table. Right? <laughs> Spotted nah, dick. That stuff actually looked decent. Them little mini chickens, they look pretty no, good. No, they didn't. You yeah. thought they, they were, looked good? They were hornish. Cornish hens. Yeah. I said hornish. Hornish. Horny, horny they hens. They were horny hens. They were like. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, how he became the Rottenberg cannibal. He was born on December 1st, 1961 in Essen, Germany. While he had two half-brothers on his father's side, the patriarch and his two favorite children abandoned Muse when he was just five years old. So he took oh, his other sad. kids and ran. Right? So his half-brothers, they weren't full brothers before he got a hold of them, right? <laughs> My God, man. It's an honest question. Dang. <laughs> they, were, they were not full brothers. I'm going to save that other half. They were just half. <laughs> <laughs> Licking his fingers. <laughs> so he was raised in a 44-room farmhouse by his single mother. Now, what the fuck? 44. When I read that, I was like, what? A 40 room? 40... There was only five people in the family. It was a 44-room <laughs> farmhouse. Damn. By his mother, 
Single yeah, mother. Point, was it like eight rooms per person? <laughs> no. well, that's what I'm saying. Like at that point, if I'm going to bed, we're, if I'm exhausted, I'm hitting the first bed I find. It doesn't <laughs> exactly. even have to be mine. Where's my room at? You know what? It doesn't matter. You know what? I'm fuck it. Walk it's too this far. Yeah. This whole floor is mine. <laughs> Go upstairs. <laughs> yeah. Right? I'm just I'm going to bed right here. Unless it's like a little twin bed. So his mother's name was Waltrid. Waltrid. That's a weird name. Like Waltred. Germans have weird names anyway, but Waltrid? Waltrid. Mm-hmm. Um, he was... He became obsessed with true crime stories and carnal taboos. He recalled struggling as the newfound man of the house and first pondered eating other classmates as a 10-year-old schoolboy. So he walked around like, I don't want to be the man of the house, but I'll eat your dick off. I thought you were saying he was going to school, like asking the other boys for their appendages to eat. He might have. It doesn't say. Give me your though. fingers. I don't have any fingers. I'm like, give me like you your go to fingers. School and like trade lunches with somebody yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Give me your fingers. I gave my bologna and cheese for your foot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's what I was. Yeah, that's what I was. That is bologna have the a one, first name. The one yeah. sexy guy is oh like, I'll be a snack pack. And he's like, Yeah, you will, bitch. I'm sure several of his meals had first names. Damn right, they do. <laughs> So, he invented an imaginary brother named Frankie. Didn't he have other siblings? No, they left when he was oh, five. So, so, he just imagined It was just them? him and his mom in a 44-room house. So, I don't know. It was, it was weird. Frankie, though. And he, he shared most often his cannibalistic thoughts to Frankie, who also wanted to be a cannibal. And a real fucking boy? And a real boy. <laughs> He's like, I finally found a friend in you, Frankie. Now go get us that guy's fucking fingers. He's like, nine? nine. No, I ate one. Nine? There were ten. <laughs> now there are nine. So according to the uh, whatever little, little times, his, yeah, it says that. That his, was before the year 1990, way before that. Yeah. Yes. His fascination grew into adulthood, but truly came to a head when his mother finally died at 99. So here's where the in ninety nine or the age of ninety nine. No, in nineteen ninety nine. So here's where the parallel between the movie and reality kind of starts overlapping a little bit because okay. he was obsessed with his mother. She was trying to be really strict with him, and she dies. Kind of has Ed Gein vibes too, right? Sounds like it. Yeah, a little Eddie. So Muse was now free to reign over the expansive property and spend an entire year reading only. Serial killer biographies. His urges only grew after he had found a second life with like-minded people online. So here's the thing about online. We all thought it was going to change the world for the better, and it ended up just creating fucking Reddit, right? Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> Madison local gossip. That's, that's oh. Ugh, Sometimes gross. I just wish Facebook yeah. would crash forever. This man is an avid Facebooker. Don't let him fool you. I know. Just in the one group, and for the podcast, I share stuff. Just for the one group and the podcast and all my followers and my career page. So I'm going to let you guys guess what you think the main Don't give me the murder online group that he wanted to join was called. So take a guess. Dick Eaters Anonymous. Close. I'm in the ballpark. <laughs> Got one? Uh, Just throw something out there. Anybody? What are you looking at Trent for? Anybody? Anybody? It was called The Cannibal Cafe. Damn, I was close. The Cannibal Cafe. Hmm. And it was an online support group for people that wanted to eat Dick. other people. Oh, well. <laughs> and he he posted as Frankie often. He also posted as Antrophagus, which is a 
I have to look it up, but it's a German like cannibal name, right? What is a cannibal name? Well, like a name for cannibal oh, in German. Okay. Like a nickname. Yeah. And actually there was a there was a famous like movie from the late seventies, early eighties called Antrophagus, which is about a cannibal. Um and he succeeded in finding gay men with cannibalistic fetishes. So apparently it doesn't say that he was gay, but it doesn't say that he was not gay. Okay. So I'm assuming. <laughs> like, yeah, you already know what I'm thinking, don't you? I'm assuming This gay. guy over here. I want to get away with it when you for the gay kids. <laughs> that was so like a month ago, guys. We'll never forget. <laughs> the Baumeister. Or Wells going, gay. Men. Gay <laughs> men. Yeah, I tried to stop myself, but it was too late. That's what Herb said. So he met <laughs> he met several men in hotel rooms to role play the act. I'm so sorry. None agreed to go through it. And Muse even turned one man down who wanted to be beaten to death. He wasn't into that. He thought it was too weird. So I ain't, gonna, I ain't gonna beat you. Today. I just wanna eat you. That's where his line is gone. He won't, won't beat a man to death, but he'll eat a cock meat he'll sandwich. He'll eat you to death, but he won't beat, he you, won't to beat death. you to death. He just kept on t- telling that old like joke, I got you where I want you, and now I'm, I'm going to eat, eat you. you. At least he's not a murderer. Yeah, that's well, true. Yeah, that's... Yet. Yet. Right. On March 6, 2001, however, he chatted with a user named Cater99. <laughs> Cater99? Cater. Like Gator, but with a C. Cater. Hmm. Like, I'm going to Cater. You better. You know it's good you. for you. Who said he wanted his penis bitten off and to be killed by him? That user Fetishes, was man. <laughs> that user. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Here's the name of the company. This guy was an engineer for. An engineer wanted this, right? He worked for the company Siemens. Siemens. <laughs> You've heard of Siemens, like the company that does like computers and computer. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, I know. You know Siemens. You know all about Siemens. No, no, Trent. This is a company that makes. Yeah, yeah, it makes. Siemens. So he was an engineer at Siemens. <laughs> Trent's a company that makes Siemens too. <laughs> he was a name. His name was Burned, B E R N D. Burned. Burned. No, Trent. Burned? Trent makes Siemens in other people's company. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Potato, potato. Is that what? That's what the okay. cup was actually for. <laughs> oh. I I had a Jensen joke there, but I'm saving that for later. Yes, you. Anyway, there. so his name was. And this yeah, kinda, we, oh, sorry. We just found out that Jensen listens yeah, now. So we're, now oh, we're on our p's and q's. We no, we really I don't care. We really gave it to her the last episode. No, we didn't. Show. No, we didn't. Trent. Okay, I didn't do anything. <laughs> I'll have to tune in as well. So this guy, this guy's name. I'm going to say the full name, but when I read it, it reminds me of the Swedish chef from Muppets. <laughs> What was that last? What was that? I'm already, <laughs> I'm, it's already funny. <laughs> okay. Is, it's Bernden Jurgen Brundens. Bernden what's his, what's his name, Ready? Trent? Bernden <laughs> <laughs> Jurgen sounds like an, like an STD or something. Yeah. The Bernden Jurgens? Yeah. Don't, don't burn your Jurgen. <laughs> Jurgen too fast, you're going to burn it. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, Bernd Jurgen Brandis. And he was prepared to be slaughtered. According to Harper's Magazine, he agreed to the proposal that Muse wrote. And hang on. After you're dead, I'll take you out and expertly carve you up. Except for a pair of knees and some fleshy trash, skin cartilage tendons, 
There won't be much of you left. I'll dry out the knees and grind them up soon after. You won't be the last, hopefully. I've already considered catching a young person from the street. Trim, would you ever consider eating somebody's kneecaps? No, but might make a nice ashtray or something. Oh, okay. He's not going to do any of that. He's going to grind them up. Yeah. I don't understand why that's the only part that's going to be left. I would think thigh bone, stuff like that. But It is what it is. Did you say so, use them as an ashtray? I try. You get creative. <laughs> I mean, that's what I mean, you don't even smoke. I teach art every every time I do a first project, like a pinch pot. Kids make ashtrays for their dads, whether they smoke or not. Aww. So kneecap, I 15, get it. I get it. Sixteen year old kids. Yeah, seriously. Hey, Mister Means, <laughs> I need to make I an ashtray for my flops. Aww, with their secondhand smoke. Yeah. Aww. So Armin Muse and Bern Brandis continued exchanging passionate messages online until March 9th when Brandis took the day off of work. He had sold all of his personal belongings, including his sports car, erased his hard drive completely before that big day. Mm. So he was wanting to like disappear, literally disappear. He bought a one-way ticket to Castle where Muse is waiting to drive him to his house. After stopping at a pharmacy for painkillers, the men arrived at Muse's house and had sex. Now we know he's gay. We don't know that for certain. <laughs> we don't know that for certain. We I'm not jump gay, but my boyfriend is. Yeah. Right? So he's definitely he's definitely had uh, sexual encounters with men, it looks like. Brandis briefly backed out of the agreement, which we saw in the movie. Yep but then swallowed 20 sleeping pills, cough syrup, and a bottle of schnapps to go with it. Schnapps. Among other things. Which is that's well. exactly what they do. <laughs> well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he did swallow that. It doesn't say. We'll and you did assume. And you did extensive research on this? Yes. Yeah, uh, no, not on this episode. I was, well, you don't fly all that way means not to. <laughs> True. Well, I don't think they flew. It was like the same country. Although you said he bought a ticket. It's a train ticket. Bus ticket. Oh, train ticket. A train ticket. Yeah, they, they ride trains. I forget trains exist. So he made sure to video, Muse made sure to videotape the entire ordeal, along with Brandis saying, now do it. So he wanted that to be part of, in case he got in trouble, part of his defense. Obviously, he was creating a defense. State officials and bold internet sleuths have not only have only seen what happened next. First, Armin Muse tried to satisfy Brandon's request to bite the penis off, but he failed. He then used a kitchen knife and tried feeding it to Brandis himself, but it was too tough to chew. Muse then fried it with salt, pepper, wine, and garlic, and Brandis's own fat. So, Brandis is sitting there all... Penisless? Penisless. Yeah, mutilated. And <laughs> mutilated and... Dickless. And, there and peeled up, and he tries to get him to chew it himself, which Brandis apparently was into, and he started trying to chew it after they'd had sex. So I don't know if they washed up or if it was like, ah, oh. what post coitus? That's the part that got you. Everything, right? It wasn't even clean. <laughs> I mean, it like, kind of gets to me. Clean it yeah. a little. You didn't even clean it off first. You just had sex. Now let me lop off your penis and eat it. Yeah. So I it mean, was it, cooked. Yeah, that kind of fucks me. Up. It was cooked. It had, <laughs> he he put it with pepper, wine, salt, and garlic. He should have put fat. some tenderizer on it, I guess. So ultimately, Brandis 
only managed to gulp down one bite of his own penis. <laughs> I'm it, good. I'm, I'm full. full. <laughs> I couldn't possibly. Right. Too much. I'm famished. Is that a dick in your mouth? Do you have to see Just wrap the rest in tinfoil. Put it in the fridge. <laughs> but I can't eat any more penis. So, apparently they didn't realize when you cut a penis off, there's a main vein there. That's why they maybe call it the main vein. I don't know. It's like when you drain the main yeah, vein. The exactly. Main vein. Exactly. <laughs> he almost bled out immediately. His continuous blood loss was so extreme that he went in and out of consciousness during this entire time. After accidentally burning the penis, Muse grounded up and decided, fuck it, I'm going to feed it to my dog. Damn. Fed you don't deserve to eat your own dick. Giving it to the dog. Not like a roll of like ground beef. You can just go out and get another one. Right? Ah, fuck it. This one's burned. Come here, dogs. <laughs> Snossages. Jagger. Daddy's got a treat. Come here. Been what a waste. Gosh. He then drew Brandis a bath and left to read a Star Trek book. What? So he cut a penis off, cooked it up, fed it to his dog. Now he drew a bath, put the guy in a bathtub. <clears throat> He goes to read a Star Trek book. It's just well, like a Trekkie, man. You can't so trust him. The guy with the severed penis is getting into a bathtub. He's in the bathtub. Oh, okay. That sounds terrible. Yeah. It sounds does. like the sounds like the worst time to take a, a bath. Yeah. So he checked on Brandis every fifteen minutes. Now. He had a log. Yeah. <laughs> you okay in there, bud? <laughs> How you doing? Start eight log. <laughs> penis check. <laughs> you holler if you need anything. Oh, I'm still bleeding. Oh, I'm still bleeding. Why is he Swedish? Oh, yeah, but I'm murdy I'm losing a lot. I'm losing a lot of blood in there, y'all. Yeah. Our, our are terrible. Damn it, Jim. I'm a doctor, not a scientist. <laughs> He's reading the book. Yeah. James, I thought you said their accents were good. They're dropping the ball tonight. They are. Well, well a, a cat about ran away. away. I mean, that's true. Give him some slack. Yeah. What'd you say? They're still distraught. And he had a he just had an episode about somebody that killed cats. Yeah, and he it's was never very distraught. ironic. He decided Aww. it was a perfect opportunity for him to talk about dead cats. When this man was out looking for his I'd like to explain. <laughs> How dare when you when I was talking about the deceased kittens, I had no idea. Now they're kittens. Feline. I had no idea that you were out okay, I knew that you were out <laughs> looking for your cat. But when I wrote the episode, I didn't know that your cat was going to go missing. It's all right. It's all right. All out. We tried to be respectful. It's all right. My cat is home safe now, so all is well. All is well. Except for this guy. While cannibalism wasn't a crime in Germany at the time, ironically, because apparently, you know, you can kill six million Jews and cannibalism's okay, but murder was a crime. Good. So Muse prayed... (laughs) <laughs> Good. Muse prayed for Brandis to regain con- consciousness, but then got pissed off and decided to stab him in the throat, killing him. In- killing him. Wait instantly. a minute. While he's in the bathroom, he was like, "I hope he lives. I hope he lives." He's like, fuck it, and just stab. Is him. there a way to be can't to perform cannibalism without committing another crime? Absolutely. You can just yeah, you don't murder the man. Jerky out of their skin. Yeah, just. Wouldn't, that still, be, wouldn't yeah. that still be if he doesn't die a That's crime? Murder. Not in Germany. Yeah, at the time. We're not saying it's not a crime. We're saying it's not murder. I know, but I'm trying, I'm trying to think of other crimes that it would fall under. 
There's probably uh, a name torture. for it. Well, here in America, torture. cannibalism Mutilation. is a crime. Battery with deadly weapon. Mm-hmm. I guess you'd have to it's, report it. It's he only battery, receipts. though, if you're like... He had permission. In Not battery, but... hurting them. Yeah, I don't know. If the guy on tape says, you can cut a part of my body off and eat it... I guess if he agrees, And there's no cannibal true. crime, then there's no crime. Is uh, cannibalism itself an uh, official crime, though? Not here in Germany. He here he is. In Germany, it was not okay. at the time. They changed in, that law. Here it's frowned this. upon. In Germany, it's encouraged. I wouldn't say encouraged. So that's where bratwurst come from. Jesus Christ. You went a long way for that joke. Is it a joke, though? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Who knows what a bratwurst really is? It's True. some weird tubular meat wrapped up in a skin thingy. Yeah, it's you it's just it's described a penis, sir. <laughs> you just described a dick. <laughs> that would be a dick, Trent. I think we're on to something here. Yep. So he stabbed him in the throat, killing him instantly. He then hung his body on a meat hook to drain. Now, here's the thing. If he wasn't planning on killing him, was he just going to put his body parts on the meat hook? What's the meat hook for? Meat. Oh. <laughs> Obviously, Darren. <laughs> Thanks, Mr. Obvious. What, what other dumbass questions you got for Gosh. us tonight? It's like, call it a meat hook. What do you think you put on it? <laughs> meat. Next question. Okay. I'll move on then. <laughs> so he hung his body on a meat hook to drain, dismembered it on a butcher's block. So he took off parts of the body while it was hanging and would dismember the parts into smaller parts. Let me guess. You want to know what a butcher block is? It's a block for butchers. Yeah, I get it. They butcher just trying to imagine throwing this, this guy up there because I picture like Leatherface just... Lifting the guy up. So he placed his flesh in mill sized portions in his freezer, portioning them out into baggies. He was a meal planner. So he was a meal planner. It makes sense. Like veal cutlet here. Monday. You got Tuesday. Rump roast over here. So next time you're going to order from HelloFresh, this is what you could get. Exactly. He was a pioneer of meal planning. Sorry, that's that's HelloFlesh. Sorry. That's right. (laughs) HelloFlesh. So he said, quote, I decorated the table with nice candles. On his first meal, I took out my best dinner service and fried a piece of rump. Rump. <laughs> that's right. That's my guy. Rump steak, a piece from his back, made what I call princess potatoes. <laughs> I want some of those bitches. Fucking, made me. potatoes from his back? No. <laughs> princess potatoes. He, he princess made, potatoes. He made what I call princess potatoes and sprouts. After I prepared my meal, I ate it. That was his quote. Okay. He kept his promise to burn brands and buried his skull and other inedible body parts in his garden. Over the next twenty months, humans. Well, of course. Over you the never next, have too many. Next twenty months, the Rottenberg cannibal ate forty-four pounds of his flesh. Thought you were going to say people. <laughs> I thought God, you were going to say people too. Oh, he was meal planning. He, he's not a pig. <laughs> I mean, yeah, come he, on. He makes people stretch. Yeah, Trent in a month. It's a meal a day. That Well, that's yeah. more than a meal a day. 20 months, though. That's 44 pounds a lot of a lot of meat, even if you're just eating cow. Maybe he said 20 right? months. I thought he said in a month. Yeah. yeah, That's it a lot of meat. 44 pounds. Okay. Uh, he also recorded all four hours of the mutilation. Four hours of the mutilation which authorities would enter into evidence for one of germany's most shocking post-war trials i like how they put that on there it's the most shocking post-war trial (laughs) 
The Nuremberg that in there. The Nuremberg trials were a little much. <laughs> but that but that was before. This is yeah. post. Yeah, that was that was seventy years ago. We forgot about it. Everybody else, please. let it go. Uh, you know, people. I feel sorry for any foreign exchange student that comes from Germany. Yeah, and they come to America. That's the first thing those poor kids get is that shit right there. Right. Anyway, even if you're Austrian. Yeah. Yeah. Too close. Too close. Um, so he was only caught on December 10th, 2002. <laughs> he continued to seek out victims. This is the reason he got caught. Seek out victims online until an Austrian student reported him to the police. So this Austrian student apparently got so creeped out by being on the cannibal, what was it called? Cannibal Cafe. Cannibal, the cannibal, cannibal Cafe. Cafe. He got creeped out finally because he was like, oh, this shit's real. And reported him to the police. What? I've heard this story. It's, it's a true story. Yeah, you watched know, but I heard it, right? We also watched a movie about it. No, we didn't. <laughs> you should have. I've stated several times it should not be a So shock. you're saying you heard the story? that It was yes. in the news like five years ago. Yes, I've less. heard of this story. Obviously, I know it's true. That's yep. why I've heard of it. It's what we do here, Ian. It's what we do, man. It's the horror you know. The horror you know. Bow, bow, bow. <laughs> Good night. When they entered his home, they found a false bottom in his freezer and multiple pounds of flesh left. While Muse said it was wild boar meat, the officers also found the footage of his killing. So when you say a false bottom, you mean watch a it fake, again. It was a boar. You mean a fake ass, right? False bottom. Yeah, fat bottom girl. Prosthetic. That's what ass. they found. He was a Queen fan. That would be unfortunate. Imagine trying to eat someone and they've had this. Fake plastic ass. Oh, yeah, I'm trying to sit down and eat a nice I'm plate of ass. Kim Kardashian, everybody's like, oh, look at her ass. I'm like, you'd poke it and you go, <laughs> and just get all flat all of a sudden. <laughs> was that a balloon oh, noise? Oh, pull them out. What noise was that? <laughs> <laughs> or was that a fly hitting a bug zapper? It's like you're trying to blow into a kazoo. You sound like the little uh, I'm trying fly to do from a, Chippendale Rescue. You know, when you let go of balloon. <laughs> gotcha. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, did you say she got rid of her ass? Yes, she did. She returned it? Yes. I won't be needing this anymore. <laughs> Kanye was like, that's not one of my asses that I make, so you need to get rid of it. He got yeah. it in the divorce. He got the divorce. <laughs> I want the dog. I want that ass. <laughs> I want the cars. Mostly, I want that ass. Take it. Okay, while his crime suggested insanity, he was diagnosed... With schizoid personality disorder. No. No. You don't fucking say. They were like, fuck that. He was deemed fit to stand trial. Good. Muse was diagnosed with schizoid personality disorder. He was later deemed fit to stand trial. Good. <laughs> good. <laughs> Insert good here. Uh, the proceedings began on December 3rd, 2003, and he was convicted of manslaughter on January 30th, 2004, sentenced to eight years and six months in prison. He has since become a vegetarian. <laughs> Postscript. Uh, He's now a vegetarian. I'm not eating feet anymore. Don't let him tell you prison can't reform you. <laughs> yeah. Ultimately, a German court court retried Armin Muse in April 2005 after prosecutors argued he should have been tried for murder instead of manslaughter while he was sentenced to life in prison on May 10th, 2006. Mew has recently been permitted to wander the streets in disguise as part of his rehabilitation. 
in disguise. Now, <laughs> wait, the what? fucking German what prison they, what system. What a weird rehab. <laughs> you can go out in public, but don't you dare let anybody recognize you. Yeah. Hey, what is he, a Ninja Turtle? Like, you got Halloween the trench coat on? on. I was just ve- thinking he's he puts on vegetarian. the... He just eats cheese pizza. I was just thinking he puts on the glasses with the nose and the fake mustache. <laughs> Listen to how weird that shit is, though. That never skate here in America. So you have no. manslaughter charges. You're sentenced to eight years and six months, and you serve it. And then... Or you're serving it. And then in 2005, they're like, fuck that. Let's retry him for murder. You've already been convicted of manslaughter. And now they're retrying you because they're like, oh, that wasn't harsh enough. So they retry him. They're like, yeah, let's do that. So no, no double jeopardy. And then they here. send him to life in prison. So he goes from not. having eight charges, years to life, which I'm kind glad he got loophole, life. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, he got life so. in prison for this. But at the same time, that would never fly here in America. You can't retry somebody with that kind of charge. No. After you convict them. That's what I'm saying, loophole. Like, oh, well, we're giving you a different charge. But like, for, it's for the same crime. It's like your dad comes in and like spanks your ass. And he's like, your mother's like, that wasn't harsh enough. And you go in, I'm going to fucking punch you in the face now. <laughs> what? But didn't would you rather really happen to you? Didn't you get like, I'd really get spanked. Like three times in one day. What? Did you tell us that story? You got your ass whipped like one time. No, I got times? punched in the ass. Uh-oh. What are we doing here? <laughs> are we rehashing stories about my childhood? He remembers all your ass stories. I know. I tell you, I listen he, to our episodes. He's a lot. an ass man. <laughs> so they give him life in prison, but then they let him out periodically to wander the streets for rehab. That's in disguise. Let's not forget about the disguise. We have to talk more about. Well, that. nobody knew who what's he was. The, what's the purpose of that? That's, I don't know. I don't know. Hey, you're that cannibal, aren't you? Just to see that if could, he could be in society could, well, without like eating people. people? Be able to do that. I could that. understand that if he was going to be released <laughs> sure. at some point, but if he's in life prison, then what's the point of trying to rehabilitate him? It's a possibility. In society. Yeah. People in prison need help too, Trent. Yeah, well. I mean, I think. Yeah, but they need help in prison. Let's let a dangerous well. murderer out on the streets and I think wander the war. around in disguise. <laughs> I think the war 70 years ago changed him, changed the whole country. Yeah, you're doing life in prison usually means you're doing life in prison, not you're yeah. doing life around prison. Near prison. Mm. Prison. I don't understand it. Prison-ish. So the movie is nothing like the story. Let's just get on to the movie because the movie is really, really cool. At Feed its, me. At its core, the base concept. But it that's is, about yeah. It. And it even says it's inspired really? by a true story. The movie? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you disagree? I don't know. I just thought you liked it more for some reason. No, he's saying at the base core it's inspired by the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you hated it. So you're saying you hated it. <laughs> well, I, well, I, I, I don't think I said anything yet. <laughs> so so it's directed by Richard Oakes and Adam, Adam Leader. Leader. And a great name for a director, by the way. Yes. Good leader. leader. A good leader. And Dick Oaks is pretty cool, too. Dick Oaks. You think he goes by that? I'm going to call him that. Ask him in the thing. interview. I'm going to say, call him Big Dick Oaks. He you hangs up on you Richard immediately. <laughs> this oh. interview's over. Goodbye. Yeah. Call him a dick. I, uh, I was so impressed with this movie when I first saw it, and I think I texted you immediately. I was like, we've got a winner. And lo and behold, it became our winner because like, everybody voted for it. It was a good movie. Well deserved. I was and gonna say, didn't you and Trent do the voting though? No, we had like 
multiple people vote. I'm just vote. kidding. I was there. I was kidding. We had judges. We were a legit festival. Con- contrary to what some people believe, I was there for that. <laughs> you fuckers. Yeah, he, great movie. Yeah, great he movie. Just, he just proved proved us all wrong that we were shitting on him. I don't know why he threw himself under the bus like that, but okay. I'm okay with it. <laughs> I'm lost. I don't know what's happening. It was dumb. That's because it was a week ago and you were out chasing your cat. Yeah. Oh, that's true. We'll tell you more about it after this. What happened? So let's let's you know talk what about, you did. Let's talk about the plot of the movie a little bit and and what we liked about it or disliked about it. So the plot is basically a guy's girlfriend has an eating disorder mm-hmm. and she commits suicide and his last conversation with her uh, goes bad and he's kind of like... Very distraught. Very distraught after she kills herself. They find her later. She'd been dead for a while. He thought just the relationship was over and she wasn't calling him anymore. Right. But he took it to heart. Then he wanted to basically kill himself, but he couldn't kill himself. So he finds, or this guy finds him because he goes around looking at funeral obituaries and like goes to funerals to find out. Very inconspicuously, (laughs) I might add to. One would I honestly say in disguise. Big ass cowboy hat. And a cowboy hat on. Trunk of a suitcase. And like like a jacket with like a Hawaiian shirt under it at a funeral. But yeah, so he goes and talks to him at this bar when he's distraught. He was the Joker in the Killing Joke. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Okay, we're not far off. And so he talks him into letting him, the way he puts it, serve a higher purpose by giving his flesh over to him and allowing him to kill him. Right. Mm -hmm. Then it goes from there. And he doesn't want to be killed at one point in time because he keeps on seeing his ex-girlfriend. She's telling him, what are you doing? So he's kind of seeing her ghost. And I think he's just hallucinating because he's taking so many pills and he's in so much pain Mm -hmm. that he's probably seeing her at that point. And the same stuff that's happening to him is happening to her ghost for some reason. Yeah, because it's in his mind. And so, you know, we just go on from there. But the, the all characters, I thought, were great actors. Mm-hmm. And it told a really cool story, but the dark comedy in it was <laughs> the best part of the movie. I thought. What do you think, Trent? Because you're the only one that watched it. He's watched it twice. No, he watched it today. Fun fact: I we were so busy with the film festival, I didn't get a chance to actually watch it. Like I watched several scenes from it, but like I only watched it start to finish like recently as well for the podcast. So. But yeah, I agree. Lots of dark comedy. I thought um, Lionel, the cannibal from the Lionel movie. Lionel Flack. I thought he was, I thought that actor did a really good job. I thought he was really funny and yeah. very goofy. Like, it was kind of like, I don't know. It was a dark movie in terms of what it was about, but the, he was such a goofy character. So I thought that was kind of a fun little juxtaposition, I guess. But um yeah, and it was it made me feel weird to laugh. That's how good of a movie it was because I felt sad in the scenes that I was supposed to feel sad in, which is weird for dark comedies, right? And then I get to the comedy part and I'm laughing, and it's like I feel weird. I don't know where my emotion should go with yeah. feeling weird about this. Comedy. I would agree. That was a good way to put it. I don't remember laughing a whole lot. What are we doing? Over you didn't here? think he was a. <laughs> 
You didn't think he was a funny character? Tickle, tickle. He was, but Stop. it was funny in like a uh, disturbing way, I thought. Like, it didn't make me like crack up. Well, I'm not going to say I cracked up either. I was, did you say it was funny in a disturbing way? Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Like he was goofy, but he was very disturbing about it. I agree with you. It was like a dark, dark comedy. I because mean, it I had thought funny moments, comedy, yeah. and I think it's it's a compliment to that actor because he was goofy, but also kind of menacing and yeah. just unpredictable, like all in one. Like you didn't know what you were going to get from him. So an example of that would be the first scene. If you guys watch, it. you need to watch it on TV. It's pretty cool. First scene, he takes his finger, his middle finger, right on his left hand, cooks it up, eats it. He's like, okay, we're going to bed now. The guy thought he was coming there to get murdered that night. He thought, tonight's the night. Guy had other plans. He was saving his body to cut off pieces as he goes. Gotcha. Not murdering him like in the true story. Meal prepping. So the second time he does it, he's pissed at him because he thinks he tried to commit suicide. So he basically acts like he's going to give him an injection so he won't feel the pain, but he doesn't. And then he starts cutting into his arm with a hacksaw. Like immediately, Jesus. and the guy's like ah, screaming and everything. Right? It is a long, drawn out scene. It's kind of like the twenty-eight hours or whatever that was, where he has to cut off his own arm. Yeah, with the pocket blade. knife. Yeah, it's like that scene. It's very bad, and he's like cutting and cutting and cutting. He's screaming and it's it's horrible. Finally, he pulls the arm off, and after you're emotionally drained from watching how horrible that scene is. He lifts it up and he goes, oh, my big, beautiful baby boy. Look, look at what we have. Like, it's born. And, like, cradles it and takes it over to the kitchen so he can cook it up. It is so weird. It is weird and disturbing. That's probably about the only scene that actually made about. me cringe. Weird, but funny. Because okay. not only does it take so long for him to cut the arm off, but once he gets down to, like, the socket, he has trouble getting it off. And he's sitting there, like, pulling grabbing it. on it. He puts his foot up on a chair and you hear... The sound effects are really good because you hear all the bones cracking and stuff, and you're just like, "Oh my god!" And dude's like begging him, "Just get it over with, Lionel." And Lionel's taking his time. I think he's enjoying it a little too much. Yeah, is that what you do? Sure. But it's it's also weird that he had he was obviously a cannibal, and he'd obviously done this multiple times that we see. But also, he was a caring individual with like his pet. He was a caring individual with those mentally disabled people that Talking he was about the goldfish. Yeah, the I goldfish. Saw the goldfish. So he was he was he was like a nice guy in that aspect, but it was really I mean he was weird. And he was genuinely looking for a friend. It seemed like yeah, yeah. that was weird too because I was like at some point during the movie like. Yeah, Lionel's a cannibal, but is he really a bad guy? It's not like he's just you going kinda out feel like sorry murdering for him a people. Bit. He's like getting their consent to do this shit. Yeah. So and made sure they signed contracts and everything. Yeah. So it was really weird. But then like he he goes off on that woman and stabs her to death right at the end. Which yeah. he was finding a relationship finally with a female and it I think it scared him. Yeah. That's why he did that. But like he had that big picture of his mom. You got to see the picture of his mom. Oh my god, that was creepy. I'm pretty sure I saw the picture. Oh my gosh, it's hilarious. Are you gonna have that at the horror at the Hollow film festival number two? What those the pictures picture. of his mom? He's gonna paint recreate that. that. You can that recreate. Painting. I don't want to paint that. <laughs> Your wife just comes in one night. <laughs> Honey, I can explain. Uh, nothing to see here. It's for the festival, babe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's. The Oedipal complex in that was really weird. Like, it's like 
she was mentally abusive maybe or something. I don't know. But they, it kind of played into the real story where his mom, he didn't do anything until his mom died mm-hmm. in the real story. In this story, his mom's gone. We don't know exactly how she died, right? But obviously there was some weird shit going on because that wasn't a painting. He took up photography. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It was a that photo. was a photo of that he took of his own mom naked in that weird outfit with the crown. Yep. I mean, it's fucking not just weird. one either. I think the whole living room was covered in one. Like on no, the wall. living room had different paintings that he'd done, like a vagina with legs. At least two and, of them was his mom though, because there was the one where she was laying down, and there's one where she's just sitting at the table. She's yeah. still topless though. That wasn't a photo. That was him seeing her. She was like a ghost in his memory. Ew. Remember that? Ew. It wasn't. It wasn't a picture. It was like him thinking he saw her because okay. he was going crazy. But they, it did have like a weird breast with like a. <laughs> it was a painting of just a breast with like a nozzle on it, like you'd turn the milk on or something. It was really weird. <laughs> you ever seen that one? That's when the police came, wasn't it? He yeah. was trying to like okay, yeah, use the blood like the it was paint. Yeah. The idiot Terrible. police. Yeah. First of all, I'm not going to walk into any house that's that dirty. I'm not going to ask to use your bathroom. Imagine what that apartment smelled like. Yeah, right? And then I'm definitely not going to eat just random food that you've already had on your plate. Oh, on your oh. table. Yeah. They're all like, oh, this is the best veal I've ever had. This is veal blah, blah, blah. And he, yeah. he was like, mm, are you a <laughs> Do chef? Do you think that's like just cheeky just british comedy i feel I like in british so. movies the police are always portrayed as like bumbling idiots bumbling. half the time yeah. so i don't know if that's just like so is that some of the dark comedy you're talking about yeah oh definitely yeah the police were definitely comedic they were comedic lionel like like how they doing the accent from texas was funny yeah and not Even suspecting he was, anything he was british <laughs> but he was doing the accent and said he came from america i don't know the whole thing was like weird but funny yeah and props to the lighting people on that show, because if you look at every scene in that movie, because I rewatched it today, every scene in that movie has at least probably three to five different types of lights within the room to show things around the room. And you never see that in independent films. It's usually like three point lighting if you're lucky, right? That was the best lit indie movie I've ever seen. And also talking about the griminess like, I don't know who did this, but they went around to every inch of every room, cabinets and all, and dripped some kind of grimy, greasy-looking brown yeah. splooge yeah, all over everything. It splooge. made you feel dirty just watching it. It was it was gloriously grimy. Yeah. Yeah, for an indie film, everything from... I don't know why I said that. <laughs> Alliteration. <laughs> Everything from like a production standpoint, I thought was awesome. This movie, the lighting, the camera work, the set design, all music, of it was just music, acting, color grading. I thought was really cool. Oh, the color the grading was awesome. Um, I think if you acting, just saw it on Tubi and just started watching it, you wouldn't even really know it was an independent film. No, I don't think so. I mean, except for you're watching it on Tubi. So <laughs> I'm telling you, though, they got a lot of big movies on there right now. They They're do have things. more movies. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was Living just Pluto's very well a- done. Overall, yeah. it was good job, Richard. He's a, he seems like a good guy. He's like a wild man, Jack Black. I can't wait to interview him. <laughs> he just looks like a mohawked Jack Black from yeah. London. So, was there anything negative about I the movie? I really liked how they gonna... handled the girlfriend too. Like, I know you already said something about her, but just the way they handled like 
her presence throughout the whole movie. Yeah. And even like her death, I thought was very brutal. The way they finally described it, how she had starved herself until the point that her stomach just ruptured. Yeah. And then she blacked out, and her heart stopped. Now and is bulimia? I don't know much about eating disorders. Is bulimia where you eat and overeat and then purge, or is bulimia? What they is said she was starving herself. Bulimia is the one where you throw up. Yes. You make yourself throw up, so that's why her stomach messed stuff like that. Yeah. So she would maybe eat a bunch and then throw up? Yes. Okay. I have nothing bad to say about this movie. I don't either. Besides the fact that I... don't I, either. I wish uh, <laughs> Torrance would have watched it. Yeah. Torrance. All of it. I don't know. You were at the film festival, yeah, I, right? I know. I saw bits and pieces. It was our winner, too. <laughs> Those were the fingers it. and the toes that you saw. Yeah, I know. The bits and the pieces. So this is a movie you can invite your lady friend over some night this week, and you guys could watch it on Tubi. Very, very gruesome. Friend. Very gruesome. Are you my lady friend? I am your lady friend. Nah. Well. Yeah. I enjoyed the little bitty parts that I was see able to see during the film festival. Uh, I was only able to stop and watch it uh, a few times, but I tried to check it out as much as I could because you had actually hyped it up a lot that it was like a really good movie, and I wanted and to check it out. And I don't hype shit up. Right. You know that. Yeah. I'm I'm not one of those guys. Wow. This really sucks. <laughs> this is really awesome. You're my hype man though. That's why we hang out, I thought. <laughs> yeah. So I enjoyed what I I'm saw like, during really the film mediocre. <laughs> and I remember this movie I'll getting like it. a really decent ovation. You're talking about over, bed, Trent. So I knew it was very good. You're and talking I, about the crowd reaction? Yeah. It did get a good crowd reaction. And I was just so happy to actually be able to sit down and watch it. Uh in the comfort of my own home and actually be able to pay attention to it and just realize like how good of a movie it really is. All it's of really the, good. All of the gruesome kills got good reactions. The final sort of moment, I won't say what yet, but it got a good cheer. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was one of the big pops <laughs> oh, that yeah. I remember. So, yeah, the crowd the crowd loved it. And well you will, done. too. Well you know, done. If you're out there, go watch it if you haven't. So, once again, if you want to watch it, it is on Tubi TV. It's called Feed Me. 2021 made? Or no, it was 22, I think, last year. Okay, yeah, it was. So, 2022, yeah. Feed Me, Richard Oaks, Adam Letter, Leader. Leader. Adam Leader. Leader. And, uh, Leader Hosen. Leader Hosen. Leader Hosen. Did Lionel try to feed? What was the other guy's name? Was it was Judd or what was his name? Jed. Jed. Jed, yeah. That was him at the end, wasn't it, on the plate? The Last Supper? We'll say. Yeah. He took his late. Yeah, that's fine. I ain't going to tell you. <laughs> he roughed him up. He was rough at the end. Yeah, he But was. you know, getting that rough, yeah. and then finally at the end, he was like, I'm surviving. It was like a survival yeah. thing. But then he dies. He didn't survive? <laughs> no. I ain't going to tell you what happened. Go watch it. He it's dies. On also, it's on Walmart. On Walmart, I just, it's on at, Walmart. It's at Walmart. It's on the roof. You gotta go find it. <laughs> so they're the kickballs. My one, my one thing though, I'll say is if if you are really wanting to end your life and agree to let someone eat you, I feel like it would be very important to do the life ending first. True. Just kill me yeah. first. Do what you want with me after. I well, don't understand that part. Yeah, but wouldn't have a movie without it, or else he would have known it wasn't going to be one night thing. Unless he likes it fresh. That's why he wanted to keep him alive. Well, the real maybe. story, the dude got his penis cut off and fed to him, and then he kept on passing out because his penis was cut off. Uh, yeah, I'm so glad they didn't do that in the movie. <laughs> Me too. The scene where he injected him. Yeah. 
and took off his lower parts, that was bad enough. Like, they didn't even show a whole lot, but it was still bad enough just imagining, like, you see the tears coming down his face. Like, I, I, I guess you don't have to see the movie now because he's going to tell about No, just kidding. <laughs> We're a spoiler podcast. We that do. even goes for our own hosts. Yeah. We spoil shit. Not we. If you don't watch it, it's your fault. He. Hey. <laughs> Could have watched it back in October. He's our resident spoiler. I started to tell it, and then I like backed off. I was like, yeah, I, I just I don't, go I don't watch care. it. We are here to talk about the movie, sir. True. It's a good movie. Go watch it. I have nothing else to say about this movie or this story. Do you guys have anything? Mm-mm. I got nothing. No. Do you have anything? I do not. She got nothing. Awesome job, Richard and Adam. And Thank it's you again for letting us experience it at the Horror Theo Hell Film Festival. You guys yeah. will watch it this week, I'm sure. I'm sure. So now, guys, we have a special surprise for you guys. It is Richard Oakes, the director of Feed Me. All right, uh, this is Darren Means from the Horror You Know podcast. I'm here with a director extraordinaire. Can you go ahead and tell everybody your name and what you just put out? <laughs> Uh, my name is Richard Oakes. I'm one of the directors of a horror film called Feed Me. Sweet. Um, I had you guys in our current, our very first annual uh, film festival called the Horror at the Ohio Film Festival. You were a great guy on that. Uh, you didn't, I, I won't say too much about it, but you didn't, uh, you didn't put a clamp down on me. You allowed me to show your film. You were a great guy on that. And I want to thank you for that because that film really put us over the top. So I just want to thank you first off for that. Um, secondly, I, I want to talk about the film. I mean, this film has ran through the uh, festivals and kind of like a juggernaut. I mean, I've been keeping up with your social media. How many, how many awards have you won so far? Um, let me have a look. <laughs> I can't remember off the top of my head. Two seconds. Um, we've won 24 to date. 24. And well-deserved. I mean, this this film blew me away. I've seen some of your other work. Uh, uh, you showed me some of your commercial work and then that film that you did before. Do you want to talk about that film and kind of plug that a little bit? Yeah, so our last film, our debut feature film, was called Hosts. Um, it's a Christmas horror film where um, some entities possess the neighbors of a family and they come over for Christmas and all havoc takes place. Yeah. <laughs> how did that do on the uh, circuit and how did that do financially for you guys to make a second film? Um, it did okay, especially for our first film. Um, I've been in circles of a lot of uh, indie filmmakers in the UK and it's hard it's hard to get out there so I think I think we did pretty well considering with COVID and things like that um, it made its money back and a profit so that was good um, yeah so and I, I saw that you guys on this last film you were with XYZ film how uh, how did that come about and how did you guys get uh, financing everything for the second film so XYZ has been a company we've been kind of courting with since since hosts. Um, we initially sent hosts to them. Um, they turned it down for certain reasons. And uh, we, you know, sent a couple of scripts their way that we've done and they kind of turned them down. So it's like, it's been something that we've been chomping at the bit to work with them. And then we sent, sent them feed me and they were like, actually, we really like this one. So uh, 
that was amazing news to hear because they're an incredible company to work with and yeah it's great to be part of their team so moving forward uh from this film obviously this is jump starting you know bigger things I'm, i'm seeing in the future are you wanting to stay indie and kind of be in that realm for a while are you wanting to get bigger productions and eventually you know uh, maybe stuff here in America or you want to film in America ever you want to stay there in England or I'd love to film in America that's always been the dream but it just comes with a budget and more restrictions and things like that I think it's it's a lot easier to kind of make indie stuff in the UK there's less kind of permits and things like that that you need um, the dream would be to go to America to make films there that's I'm a big fan of American films more than UK films. I don't really like many UK films. I feel like they just don't have that. As a cinematographer, they're always a bit too low budget looking and gritty, kind of, you know, using what they can and stuff. And I think that's become a, um, a style within the UK and it's a style I don't really gel with. I've always been inspired by American films. So I'd like to kind of move more into American side of things and, you know, do full on American productions. That would be the dream. Yeah, for sure. So speaking of style, um, going from hosts to feed me, I noticed a a small difference in style, but you still had that same kind of feel to it. Uh, I noticed the lighting and and the uh, set design was way different to me personally, because I own both these films now and, Looking at Feed Me, that's the whole thing I talked about when I first watched it, when you sent it to me, and and then when it was up on the big screen when we had our festival and just it blew everybody in the audience away. And and I told them, I said, this is an independent film. And nobody believed me. They were like, there's no way that's independent. Look at the budget. It's got to have a big budget. And I'm like, you know, just just looking at the set designs and how gritty the walls and his – his house was or his apartment and just the color grading that you guys did. I mean, can you talk about that and how, how that style came about and is that you and your partner like collaborating on that? Are you more of the cinematographer eye for that? Yeah. See, I kind of took the realms on the art design. Um, I'm heavily inspired by David Fincher and so fight club and paper street was a massive influence on how we wanted the house to look. And, um, I basically took some stills from Fight Club before we started and and kind of copied a grade for Paper Street. So that then became the look for this film with that kind of urine yellow kind of vibe to it. Just make it feel kind of dank. And then, you know, we we were blessed by um, Nadia Lamine, the the police officer in it. Sadly, her grandfather passed away. And they were left his his bungalow and they were like, well, we've got to renovate the whole place before we can sell it. So we don't need to do that for a few months. So if you want to do what you want to do to it before we sell it, as long as you kind of put it back and then we can kind of renovate from there. And so we were like, cool, let, let's go to town. And I don't think they, don't think they envisioned exactly how to town we were going to go. But like, um, yeah, so I was kind of production design on that and, uh, hand-painted the whole house pretty much with the help of Adam and Neil, who's the uh, lead actor as well. So it was very kind of just doing every job we could in such a small unit, do you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, that was that was uh, fun and a lot of work. I mean, <laughs> More work to put it back. 
I, I mean, I was looking in the uh, scenes in the kitchen and then comparing that to the scenes in the bathroom. And it had this gritty, like almost greasy drip coming down the walls and stuff. And, and I could just tell by me looking the first time I watched the film, I always watch a film and just try to get into character storyline, you know, all that space. But then the second time I watch the film, I'm always looking for lighting, camera angles, you know, acting, sound, sound design, Foley sounds, but it really caught my eye. And it's funny that you mentioned Fincher and <laughs> you mentioned, uh, Fight Club, and I was thinking in my mind, this is like if Fight Club met, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie that had a Rutger Hauer in it where it was a hobo with a shotgun. You ever seen that no, film? I've seen it. I've so seen it. it reminded me a little bit of that film, and then it had like some of that really uh, gritty train spotting kind of feel to it. So it was like a, a mixture of like reality and comedy, and then with this grittiness that you don't often see. And I mean, that that's the thing I love about independent film because you guys get to take chances and you get yeah. to not have people breathe down your necks all the time with the producer and everything. So, you know, I, it blew people away. The budget, you know, I don't know what your guys budget was, but I'm hoping somebody gives you more because I just want to see <laughs> what you're doing in the future. I'm so excited about your career. Um, what do you guys have in the pipeline coming up? Have you guys thought about your next step after this film? Oh, we're kind of juggling a few different things um, and seeing what sticks, really. It's hard. Um, we've written another script that we've sent off, um, waiting for feedback on that or to, you know, see if anyone wants to fund it. But you can't just kind of sit around with your hands in your pockets, kind of. So kind of got a few ideas on the, the burner, kind of trying to put together a different feel for each thing as well so that one idea is not, you know, taken on we've got something completely different that might you know tick those boxes as far as funding and stuff like that so we'll definitely be back but yeah we'll see with what i don't know yet <laughs> are you wanting but, to stick in the horror genre or are you going to expand out to something else sci-fi drama anything like that i'd like to try different things i don't want to kind of pigeonhole yeah. um i always like dark stuff so it's like um it has to have a grittiness a gritty nature and a darkness to it but I'd love to, I, I love like what Tarantino does where it's a very Tarantino movie, but the genre is completely different every movie. Yeah. He's not like, you know, this type, you know, this genre or this genre is like doing Westerns, war films, all these types of things. And, but it's a, a distinctly Tarantino film. So I think I'd love to try some different things rather than just stick to horror. Um, but there would still, you know, entertain whoever's our fan base is. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned earlier when I asked you that you possibly would want to go to America and shoot some films or, or come over here and do some work. Would you change your aesthetic or your, your screenplays to be more of an Americanized type film or do you, or more universal type film? Or do you feel like some of the stuff you guys do is not specifically you know, UK, but it has some of that UK feel that American audiences don't quite understand when you come here. Would you, would you change that? Or do you still kind of have that kind of, I, I feel like you guys have in your first two films, a little bit of a quirkiness to it and it, and it overall can be viewed, you know, from any country, but at the same time, it's, it's 
it's British. It's definitely British, but it's got <laughs> it's got that fun to it that I like, you know. Yeah, I'd like to keep stuff kooky and and fun and that. Like, I don't see that. Maybe it is. Maybe it's because I'm British. I don't see it. Like, you know, you don't hear your own accent. Um, maybe there's something to it with that that the style that we do is is quite British, but. I don't feel like we're trying to be British or trying to be anything like that. We're just, we know what we like. And maybe that's just because we are British that that's coming out, but it's not an intentional thing. It's just, I guess who we are. So I'm, I'm guessing that would maybe um, seep into whatever we're doing. Um, it's always a tough one because like we, we like to listen to what the feedback is from our films. We're learning as we go. And with hosts, there was a lot of critiques and feedback from different things, and we took it all on board. You know, you can't sit there and go, everyone else is wrong, we're right, you know, we can do what we want type of thing. I mean, there's an element of that, which is being an indie filmmaker that gives you that freedom, but we want to improve ourselves and to to reach bigger audiences, so it's always good to listen to the audience. So there's a lot of things that we changed and um, made sure we didn't fall into the same pit holes and, and, and things like that. But Maybe we created new ones. I don't know, but there's, there's every film you're kind of taking on feedback and stuff. And maybe there's elements where people just don't get us, you know what I mean? With the way we are. And I don't know if that's a good thing. And cause it seems 50, 50 with this film. Like there's the people that really get it and they just jump on board and they're like this, you know, we've had a few people saying that feed me was their favorite film last year. And that's completely nuts that a film of that budget is their favorite compared to all the films they must have seen like studio ones and things like that so we're obviously vibing to someone and what we don't want to do is change so much that listening to the negative feedback that we alienate the people that love what we do do you know what i mean so it's yeah when you're starting to get to that 50 50 ratio it's it's a difficult one to know how to meander as far as improving um but we always want to kind of be us that's something that we enjoy and especially if we've got the freedom to do that and that's something that i love about xyz is they seem to embrace that and want to push that creativity rather than kind of say no it needs to tick these boxes and that's something that i've always not enjoyed i've been we we got um offered scripts before or offered to write scripts for companies that are like it needs to have this 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 you know tick this box it needs to have naked ladies and used to have this type of thing and we're just like that's not us do you know what i mean and so we we don't want to just because a lot of the time someone will see a film and go that's what everyone's liking we need a 50 of them yeah coming through do you know what i mean and that's i guess we don't ever want to be the copycats we want to do our thing and if people like it then you know eventually down the line hopefully someone will copy us instead do you know what i mean and oh, people yeah. will go we want something like that. We need 50 of them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So you, I don't think you can either ever get that core fan base and stuff if you're a copycat and just following a trend. Um, and I don't think, you know, people like Tarantino or Fincher and stuff, they look at the the environment or the status quo and go, right, we need to make a film like that because that's what's trending at the moment. And that seems to be something that's, really taken over with like algorithms on Netflix and um, Amazon and stuff is they've got a quota of right. Zombie films are good at the moment. We need 50 zombie films. And I just, I, I can't get on board with that. I just like to do what I like to do or whatever's interesting me at that moment. Going back to your uh, kind of the film uh, script and the idea for this film. Um, 
it's based partially on a true story. Can you tell us about how this story impacted your script? And, you know, basically I'm, I'm retelling the true story on this podcast. So before this interview, people are hearing the true story that it's kind of based on. So how did that impact your script and your script writing and your characters that you wrote? Um, it's, so we were on a music video shoot, me, Adam and Neil actually, um, were shooting a band and then on our, our lunch break, we were just, you know, chucking ideas around thinking about what to do next after hosts. And Adam came up and he, cause he watches a lot of true crime stuff. He's really into it. And he said, oh, I watched this thing last night about this guy in, in Germany that managed to convince someone through an ad to be eaten and the guy turned up and signed a contract and got eaten he was like i'd love to do a film on that <laughs> and i was like that's that's a great idea Let, let's let's explore that and it wasn't you know it's not necessarily like a docu drama about that particular guy but that's what inspired it so like the actual events and the, the series of events and stuff is completely different um but what we loved was the idea that these two could potentially be friends or potentially have this buddy film yeah someone that's eating the other guy and like how interesting that is and then we were thinking you know what would drive someone to be eaten you know i don't know all the specifics of the original story um but it seems to be like you know the the cannibal had like a a fetish for that type of thing but like having you know what would drive someone to be eaten is like, you know, the death of a loved one and depression and feeling responsible as well. Um, and with, we like the idea that there was this play on eating disorder that, you know, she, his wife wouldn't eat. So, you know, he gives himself up to be eaten, um, almost using his body to feed, to, to feed someone who, because his wife wouldn't eat. Um, and we'd really like the play on all that. And so, we we saw a lot of uh, excuse the pun. There was a lot of legs in <laughs> in yeah. the idea. Um, so we, yeah, we sat down and wrote it, and we we took some ideas from old concepts of stuff that we'd already written that didn't quite work. And we we're like, well, like that scene would that work in this film? And bringing the police into it, and that kind of stupidity, stupidity and uh, silly humor. Um, was good fun and the tension of is he going to get caught out is he not that type of stuff um yeah it all just played together and we we we, we like kind of exploring deeper things within the stupidity with like depression and grief and how to how you think about that in, individually and like how why does the bad guy do what he does you know what's his backstory and everyone's driven by their circumstances or their history or their genetic makeup and you don't don't think you you know you necessarily get born a psychopath you are to an extent but like you know it's usually abuse that kind of gets you there and it's usually abuse that makes you this person so we wanted to make the bad guy extremely lonely and the the fact that he's trying to keep him alive but wants to kill him like because he's he's actually found a friend and the fact that the person getting eaten is like, can we hurry this up? Do you know what I mean? It's really interesting that there's this play on all the emotions and the depth of it. 
Yeah, that was that was surprising to me that you can take basically a cannibalistic story and pull so much empathy out of it. You know, like I felt for each character in it, even, you know, the villain, the quote unquote villain, I felt something for him because you could tell just by I mean those paintings on the wall and just his his relation his edible edible complex with his mother that you know he was he was a character that I think there's a lot of probably lonely people out there that have lived semi horrific lives and are isolated and they they have weird thoughts and they have weird feelings because they're they're not connected and he tries to connect with that person and he tries to connect with his possible girlfriend you know I mean when he goes out on that date and it's just he's not making the connections correctly I I find it interesting too that you guys made him from like this American Texan type accent and the cowboy hat and you know that's it's a brilliant brilliant move on your guys part can you talk about that like how you came up specifically with those things about that character well it actually came up when i was talking about to you about xyz and the, the feedback they've given us on our last films we really wanted to go with xyz and you know a couple of times they said you know your previous films and not regional enough which you know we translated as you know america's one of the largest markets and they can't quite get on with like the oxford accents of like hosts and like yeah. the cockiness and stuff like that so we were like well, let's make one of the leads american so that we can kind of push into those markets which sounds kind of you know separate from the story and stuff like that but it worked really well with the idea that he's putting on an act all the time and that he's he's, he's stealing personas off of people and he doesn't really know who he is and i think there's a lot of things in there that play to that the whole bath scene was meant to be that like with the dress-up scene he's you know he's like just be yourself and he's like well who is that do you know what i mean then it's like he doesn't know and the only time that jed kind of accepts him is when he's wearing jed's clothes so he's like doesn't even accept his own clothes and he's like take off your glasses and like he's trying to make him everything that he isn't so it's it's kind of affecting him in that negative way of he just wants love, but no one accepts him. Do you know what I mean? And that's there's play into that that he's always trying to be someone else, and that's the reason he's eating as well is because he believes you are what you eat, and he wants to become like Jed, who he's envious of. Um, so yeah, this this whole idea that you never know who who Lionel is. I mean, even down to his name and things like that. I think is it's interesting. Um, and, and the accent really played into that as well. That it's kind of this, this dodgy Texan accent that you're like, <laughs> what is this? Like, <laughs> I mean, I had me rolling the first five minutes, and then when he he took the wig off when he was walking down the street and everything. I mean, it just, I don't know. It was it was interesting because I I didn't expect to feel like any kind of emotion in this movie. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to be mean, but like going in, you're you're hearing about a kind of based on a, a guy cannibalizing another guy. I remember when that story came out internationally and you know, I was like, Oh, well, what's this movie? And then I started watching it. And I was like, Oh, it's kind of silly. It's funny. And then I didn't expect that those scenes, you know, where I actually like connected, 
not with, I don't want to say I'm connecting with the killer or anything, but I'm connecting with, you know, their emotions and it makes you kind of feel for him a little bit. You definitely feel for, uh, uh, all the characters yeah. that you involved, you know, and I, I think that's, that's very important in this film. That's why it is, it was probably my favorite film last year. I watch a lot of films and this film really caught me off guard. It blew me away. And that's why I, you know, sent those texts and everything. I was like, we got to have this. I was looking for people to fundraise to help me pay any kind of fee we needed to pay. Cause I was like, we've got to have this film. I mean, this is a special type film for our first film festival. So the only other thing I want to talk about about the film itself before we kind of wrap up here is who did those paintings <laughs> and that photography in his living room. I want to know where that came from. <laughs> so we just wanted him to be bizarre. Um, so the idea of the, 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 the picture was, uh, again, just trying to think of like, where his background and you know where he comes from and having this picture of his mom like that and there's little things on the table and stuff that make it worse like that there's his birthday cake on there at 11 years old so he's like he took that photo when he was 11 years old and she's posing like that and it just makes it more horrific and the more you see look at it and there's like a dog food bowl on the table which were like is that how he was forced to eat and things like that and just trying to make his background really dark but with a you know an element of humor in it as well but it's just ridiculous um it reminded me of like a 16th century oil painting of of a queen with all those weird little things around her and then it i mean it was just it was so odd it was odd yeah though that's what we wanted i I love that vibe the old painting style and that's what we wanted to kind of go with that look. And then his paintings, as it says in the script that he's like, does erotic art and photography and stuff like that. Um, so uh, I think I painted two of them. So I did the, uh, the right angle nipple picture. <laughs> and uh, a flying boob. And then the, uh, the gaffer's girlfriend did two of the other ones. I think that was all the pictures in there actually. So there's four four paintings and the the photo. And so yeah, we that was fun just kind of just painting as weird as we could get and <laughs> but we wanted to kind of tie it in so all the, the paintings look like the wallpaper and stuff. Yeah. So it's all so then you look at it and go, Well, has he made is is the house part of his painting itself or is it just derelict and I mean, that's something I wondered. It's almost, it looked like he was dripping. He was was oozing his personality onto the walls. I mean, it was was interesting. Well, me being an art teacher, I would have given you at least an A minus to an A on all those paintings. Those were excellent. (laughs) Nice. Well, I learned some skills in college. I did uh, art in college and painting and stuff. So I took some of the skills, did a bit of life drawing and, how can I take those skills and make it bizarre? <laughs> so that, that brings it up. What's your background in? Uh, obviously, you just said what your art background is. How did you get into film? And, you know, you said you did music videos for bands and stuff like that. I've seen some of those online. How did you get into this? Um, so film's always been something that's been close to my heart. When I was about 
nine or ten years old, I used to ride around my yard. I used to live on a farm in Wales with my dad. I used to ride around the yard on my bike and just dream up film ideas and horror films. And I used to try and work out visual effects and stuff with my dad's camera by doing like cut frames and stuff like that. And But it was always too expensive to get into, to get a decent camera was, you know, 20,000 pounds or, or, or something like that. So it was like not attainable. It was just a fun thing we used to do. We made a real low budget, just kids messing around when I was about 18 with a handy cam we bought from like a local shop. And, but again, like, again, the, the quality was awful and I never expected to kind of get into doing films because the the price of entry. <clears throat> but in that time I kind of got into music. I was in a band. Um, so I did art in school and in college, but by the end of college, I moved into like music, went to do a degree in music production. I wanted to build like a recording studio um, to record bands and stuff like that. But about that time, everything became reduced from a big studio down to every band has a laptop and just record themselves on it. So the, the idea of going to a studio, unless you had a lot of money and some big equipment was just not what bands did. So I kind of abandoned that and became a bin man for five years and picking up uh, the garbage, I guess you'd say. Um, and I just got sick of that. I was depressed picking up garbage for a living and then a friend of mine said, oh, have you seen these new Canon DSLRs? They're like, you know, you can change the lenses on them and they've got really good look to them. And I was like, no, like, what what are they? And like, he showed me and I was like, it's like the quality on this for the price, I think it's 300 quid or something for, or 500 quid for one of the lower end models. But the quality was like nothing before for that price range. And I was like, I'm going to get one. I got some inheritance from my uncle. So I got a camera and I bought After Effects and learned visual effects and started shooting and doing visual effects and stuff. And there was a competition online. I think there was 300 people entered. And I was like, I'm going to have a go at that as just to learn. And I came like second out of it. So I was like, I, you know, I must have some skill here. And a couple of my friends had bands. I was like, can I shoot the music videos for free? Um, and I think the second music video I ever did, Universal saw it and they started hiring me to do their bands and kind of kicked into doing the music video. So I kind of kicked the, the dustbin to the ground and moved to England because I was living in Wales at the time and just uh, did music videos ever since. But during that time, I started thinking about doing short films. So I did a sh one short film called Exit Plan. Don't watch it. It's terrible. And... <laughs> That's kind of where I got to know Adam because he was in um, his band, which he's still in, called In Search of Sun, and I shot their music video. And then he became, because I needed actors for my short film, but I only knew band members, so the whole film is just band people <laughs> acting, <laughs> which uh, I'll let you decide whether it was a good call or not. But um, Adam was like the main bad guy in that, and we just kind of hit it off as far as like making films and love for films, so we started writing stuff together and I had been in that time I was DOPing other feature films for other directors um off the skills I'd learned doing music videos and just kind of kept going with it. I love visual storytelling and cinematography and art design and, and stuff like that. It's always been a passion of mine. 
All right, man. Well, that's all I have for this interview. I, I thank you once again for, uh, you know, letting us show your film and I thank you for making this film and I cannot wait to see what you're doing in the future. <laughs> thank you, dude. And it's been nice getting to know you. I, you know, I now have a friend across the pond. <laughs> dude. Yeah. And if you're ever in America, come look me up. Sounds good, man. Sounds good. So, all right, guys, that's all we have for this podcast. I'm glad you guys tuned in and I'm glad you stayed to listen to Richard Oaks talk about Feed Me. Go out now and give it a watch. I'm Darren. I'm Ian. I'm Ian. Shelby. And I'm Trent. Feed me more. Get that darn <laughs> cat, Trent. Feed me more. Have we done one of those yet? I don't know. No. Yes. Stay spooky, my friends. In the dead of night, when the moon is high, and the shadows dance, the evil will rise. The world between the living and the dead is thin.